Hello, I'm Leslie Ann Knight and welcome to Just Talking Musicals, the podcast and YouTube show where we discuss all things from Broadway and beyond. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to join the conversation. Just Talking Musicals, Musicals, with you. Hello, I'm Leslie Ann Knight and welcome to Just Talking Musicals. In the last episode, we looked at how Oscar Hammerstein and Richard Rogers came to weave the songs through Lynn Riggs' story about the land and how their producer, Teresa Helben of the Theatre Guild, had told them she felt the show just needed a song about the land. They had called the show Away We Go. Miss Helben had talked them into writing another song about the land, about the earth. And they delivered a brand new song about a brand new state, with the wind sweeping down the plain and how sweet the waving wheat smelled when the wind came right behind the rain, because the land they belonged to was grand. And then they thought, why not change it from a duet for just Curly and Laurie and turn it into a rousing chorus for the whole company to sing? And more to the point, why not keep the title for the show simple with just one word that says it all? Why not call it Oklahoma? They had opened at the Schubert Theatre in New Haven, Connecticut to a fairly lukewarm reception and when they got to Boston for the second week, half the cast was ill, but they battled on through to the end of March when they moved into the St James Theatre on Broadway for their opening night. And just a few hours before the newly named Oklahoma was due to open on Wednesday the 31st of March, Oscar Hammerstein took a quiet walk with his wife Dorothy on the country road near his farm in Doylestown. Both he and Richard Rogers were proud of what they'd done. They knew they had produced something good, but they had absolutely no idea if anyone would like it. Hammerstein believed wholeheartedly in his audience's opinion. Both he and Rogers knew only too well how a critic could kill a show stone dead with just a few words in an unconvinced review. And he said to his wife, I don't know what to do if they don't like this, because this is the only kind of show that I can write. Just a few hours later, they were sitting in the fifth row of the St James Theatre. All the others were standing at the back as the curtain went up in a theatre that was by no means sold out. The audience then beheld a quiet country scene with a middle-aged woman sitting down churning butter and a voice from the wings started singing. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. At the end of the number, legend has it that you could hear an audible sigh and that first night audience sat themselves back ready to enjoy the rest of the show. The final curtain brought thunderous applause and Oklahoma, the only kind of show Oscar Hammerstein thought he could write, was hailed a sensation and he described the feeling of knowing they'd got it right like the glow from a thousand lanterns. The next morning, Brooks Atkinson at the New York Times enthusiastically reported in his review that the opening number to the show quite simply changed the history of musical theatre, writing, after a verse like that, sung to a buoyant melody, the banalities of the old musical stage became intolerable. All the reviews made it quite clear that this was an outstanding success, openly comparing Oklahoma to its forebear showboat, which Oscar Hammerstein had written with Jerome Kern 16 years earlier and had been described as the first truly integrated musical play. Oklahoma was most definitely the next contender for the crown. Hammerstein's long-held belief that the lyric had to be first, that it could move the plot forward, create a mood and develop a character, along with the revolutionary use of dance to tell the story, was perfectly blended into this one show, and it became the model for all Broadway shows for decades. The next day, as Rogers and Hammerstein made their way to the fashionable restaurant Sardi's for a celebratory lunch, they walked by the theatre and were bowled over by the most thrilling sight. 
There were so many people trying to buy tickets to their show that the police had to be called in to control the crowds, descending upon the box office. And from that day on, getting a ticket for Oklahoma became legendary too. Oklahoma was a record-breaking show in every sense. For a start, it ran continuously at the St James Theatre for five years and nine months, a mighty 2,248 performances, which set a long-running record for musicals that was to be unchallenged for the next 15 years until My Fair Lady came to town. In 1944, the first of several national tours began, starting out in New Haven and staying on the road in America and Canada for the next 10 years. In 1947, after a trial week in Manchester in the UK, Oklahoma arrived at London's Theatre Royal Drury Lane for what was to become another record-breaking 1,380 performances, the longest run of any show at the theatre in its entire 300-year history. Starring Howard Keel as Curly, it became a big favourite of Princesses Elizabeth and Margaret, playing to a post-war London only too glad to play host to an uplifting show from America, which was playing in a theatre which in fact had no heating, a hole in the roof from a wartime air raid, and an audience who were quite happy to bring blankets and hot water bottles to keep them cosy, as they were happily transported to the open plains of Oklahoma. Oklahoma's phenomenal success begs the question why it wasn't picked up by Hollywood for so many years. But it was more that the canny Rogers and Hamstein, who had by now set themselves up as theatre producers and publishers, had wanted the show to run for as long as possible, knowing they had a golden nugget that was growing more and more in value while it was out on the road. But in 1953, ten whole years after the show had first opened, they were finally enticed by a new cinematic process called the Todd AO, which enhanced not only the scope and depth of the screen, but also introduced what was known as orthosonic sound. In short, the time was right, and so began the immense task of pre-production. Rodgers and Hammerstein set themselves up as executive producers, with Arthur Hornblow Jr. as producer and Fred Zinnemann as director. They eventually took the decision to film in two formats, Cinemascope and Todd AO, with interior scenes shot on two sound stages at MGM. They then found Nogales in Arizona to be their best setting for Oklahoma, since the original was by now far too built up. The corn had to be specially planted and when it looked like it wasn't growing fast enough, Oscar remarked that he'd have to change the lyric to the corn is as low as an elephant's toe. But the rain came, the sun shone and the corn grew to a height of 16 feet, sufficient for a follow-up quip of it looks as high as the eye of an elephant who is standing on another elephant. Screen tests started and they finally agreed to hire actors who could sing, with Gordon McRae as Curly, Oscar Hammerstein's original choice, Charlotte Greenwood as Aunt Ella, Rod Steiger as Judd Fry, Jean Nelson as Will Parker, Eddie Albert as Ali Hakim, Gloria Graham as Ado Annie, and a total and utter newcomer, Shirley Jones as Laurie. No expense was spared, attention to detail on the film was second to none, and Oklahoma made its way into the history books yet again as the most expensive motion picture ever made, with the final production costs chalking up $6.8 million. To mark the film's world premiere in New York in 1955, Oklahoma's governor, Raymond Gary, led a procession of Surreys with fringes on top from the St James Theatre, where the show had first opened 12 years before, to the Rivoli Theatre for the film's premiere. And when he arrived, he stood on a pile of soil which had been brought especially from Oklahoma, and he declared the Rivoli Theatre in New York to be Oklahoma territory. 
Amongst the countless awards the musical has won over the years, the film went on to win two Academy Awards for Best Sound Recording and Best Scoring of the Musical Picture, along with two further nominations for Colour Cinematography and Film Editing. Oklahoma held the record for the longest-running musical right up until it was outrun by My Fair Lady in the 1960s. It saved the Theatre Guild from bankruptcy, made a fortune for Richard Rogers and Oscar Hamstein, and won a special Pulitzer Prize citation in 1943. The soundtrack recording from the film went on to become the most successful of all time. The National Touring Company performed in 250 cities over 10 years before an estimated audience of over 10 million people and its rousing chorus number is now Oklahoma's official state song. Oklahoma has sparked countless glorious revivals down through the years since those tentative opening moments on an empty stage at the St James Theatre in March 1943 where the assembled throng all held their bated breath and waited. I'm Leslie Ann Knight. You can find earlier episodes and actually see me talking on our Just Talking Musicals YouTube channel. And we'd love it if you subscribe and follow along with the conversation on social media as well. Just Talking Musicals, musicals with you.